Well, good morning. Does anybody know, just as, this is not 20 questions, by the way, but does anybody know what happened 40 years ago in Rome today? KGB tried to assassinate Pope John Paul II in his car as he was passing through the Vatican Square heading towards uh, the Vatican. Just a thought. <laughs> uh, thank you very much for the opportunity to share a few thoughts with you. I had, I had something prepared, then I, I thought, now I'll scrap that, and I'd rather talk to you off the cuff. Listening to Peter was a little bit like listening to what I, I thought I was going to share with you. And I think repetition sometimes is a good thing. So if I do repeat a little bit what he said and, and what you, you heard from our other previous speakers, then so be it. Let me start by thanking Peter for inviting me here today. And may I say, I think South Africa is very blessed to have a man of Peter's caliber doing what he's doing for us and for the country and for Africa. Um, we're, we're very privileged to have somebody with such compassion, courage, bravery, and conviction. I'm not saying that to, to embarrass him, I'm just saying it because it's really true. Um, Peter, I just want you to know that um, I'm sure all of us have Leonora highest in our thoughts and prayers at this time. If I had stood here 120 years ago and spoken to you the way I'm going to talk to you, and I had said to you, and I think 120 years ago, about the time of the Anglo-Boer War, I'd said to you that in the next hundred years, man would walk on the moon, doctors would take the beating heart out of a human body and pop it into another human body and, and that person would get an extra 20, 30, 40 years life. That man would split the atom, that we would climb in a metal tube and in 72 hours we could be anywhere in the world, that we would all have Little boxes the size of cigarette tins. Yes, in those days, cigarettes came in tins, not cardboard, colourful boxes. We have little devices the size of cigarette tins, and we could virtually talk to anybody anywhere in the world. They would also tell us what the time is, what the weather's going to be. It could even tell you when you're going to die, because it could monitor your heartbeat. Right? If I'd done that 120 years ago, you would have called the guys in the white coats who would hear them stampeding up the stairs now to come and take me away, all right? So I ask you to, to bear with me now in, in what I, I share with you. And if it is helpful to you in determining the future course of where we're going as individuals, as a country, as the world, then that's great. One other precursor, and that is power generally tends to work in a pyramidal structure. And sometimes you think you know who's at the top, and sometimes you discover that who you thought was at the top is not necessarily at the top. And in terms of human interaction, we have our families, and Peter pointed out the family is the bedrock of society. The family with firm Christian conviction certainly is the bedrock. And then we have our community, and then we have our municipal administrative systems. And then we have our parliamentarians, to whom we are greatly indebted for your courage and conviction and strength of character and standing up against the mighty. And I spent 10 years at Parliament, but not in Parliament, as a journalist, as Peter said. And then we have above that international organizations, like the United, Na uh, the United Nations, um, like the, the Wuhan Health Organization, World Health Organization. I've got to be careful because my oldest son actually is the senior legal advisor to the head of the World Trade Organization. 
And the only trouble is, as Peter said, we should have children. Well, I have children. I paid a fortune to send them to the best universities in the world. And you mentioned indoctrination, and, and my word, I mean, they came out and my son is a real internationalist. He's a real globalist. He, he's a convicted believer in the one world global, what I call disorder, he calls order. And then, above that, above the international organizations, it gets a bit shady. I love Peter's term when he says, I am suspicious of the vaccine. I share those, I share those suspicions, and you'll find out why shortly. But I am a bit suspicious of the shady organizations above. And what sort of shady organizations are they? And here's where I'm going to give you a short history lesson. This is the shortest history lesson you will ever have had in your lives, either before or after this talk. The last 300 years have been a history of competition between the English-speaking people and basically the French and the Germans. Towards the latter stage, the Russians and the Chinese have climbed in on the bargain. The British, and I'm not saying this because we're English-speaking, but the British actually won this competition. And they say the British Empire was built in a fit of absent-mindedness. Don't believe a word of that. You know, the reason the sun never set on the British Empire is because God didn't trust the British in the dark. And he was quite right. Um, the, the, the British more or less won this competition. At one stage, a quarter of the world's land surface was ruled by Britain, by people who speak our language. The French weren't too keen on this, and, and, and the French challenged them. And the history, not of the last century, but the previous to last century, Gad, you realise you're getting old when you talk like that. But the history of the previous to last century was the story of the competition between, first of all, Britain and France, and then Britain and Germany, and that carried over into the previous century. And in that colonisation, the British colonised North America and tried to rule their colony in North America, or their 13 colonies in North America, with direct rule. It didn't work. And the Americans stood up. And they fought back. And I was astounded to learn the other day that only 3%, 3% of the people in North America actually fought against English rule. And by a hair's breadth, by what can only really be defined as an act of God, they won. And that revolutionized the world. Because why? Because ordinary people like us here today, we're able to enjoy, defined in writing, in legalistic terms, and I know, you know, there are, there are lies, there are damned lies, and then there are lawyers, but apologies to any lawyers, but it's defined in legalese that they could have freedom of speech, freedom of assembly, freedom of the press, the right to keep and bear arms, and a host of others, the separation of the powers. Uh, I was brought up in the British tradition and, and we were taught that it is really extraordinary the American constitutional system ever worked at all because you divide the judiciary, the legislative and the executive and they're all fighting against each other. Well, in theory they should be, but if you look at it today, that's not really happening, is it? And we've just had an incredibly rigged election in America, unbelievable, spectacularly rigged election, right? And it should have been saved, first of all, by... <laughs> by the appeal to the uh, judicial process, fail. Then the appeal to the uh, Congress and the Supreme Court, fail. Right? 
Finally, I mean, who wants to go down this road? The appeal to the military. Those of us who live in Africa know that the appeal to the military is, you see, God said, let there be light, and you saw that it was good. It, the appeal to the military in Africa, we've seen, ends disastrously, does it not? Does it not? But in this case, the military should have intervened, and the Pentagon did. And the separation of powers has failed in America. So where does that leave us today? What, what is the trend of events? And I said to you I would come back to the shadowy organization at the top. As a result of these imperial ventures, a clique within those communities became super rich. Super rich. And I'm not just talking about people like Bill Gates, who Melinda has decided to leave on his own now. And, and I'll tell you, in my opinion, why I think that's happened. And it's very relevant to what's happening in the world today. But these shadowy structures, these shadowy organizations that became super rich and became super powerful, transformed that power from the political realm, from the, the, the financial realm, to the political realm. And so what, what we are watching evolving now, or what we have seen in my lifetime and in Peter's lifetime, is the erosion, the gradual elimination of those vital constitutional legislative protections that ensure basically our freedom, our freedom of worship, our freedom of assembly, our freedom of communication. Now the process was accelerated and I, I said to when Peter asked me to talk, he said talk about the press and I thought I'd challenge him and I came back and I said well I'm, I'm very happy to talk about are we in the fourth world war and you might be wondering well, what happened to the third world war because I know about world war one and world war two but where did the third war, well the CIA, Catholics in action I call it, um, the CIA decided that the Third World War was the Cold War against the Soviet Union and to a lesser extent the PRC. But the PRC, China, was a creation of the super-rich. It was the Rockefellers of the world who decided that Mao should take power, I mean a mass murderer of epic proportions, should take power in China, and he did. And we all know what happened under communist rule in China. And it was only when the Soviet Union indicated to Washington in the 19, early 1970s that they were thinking of launching a first strike nuclear attack on China, would the United States stand by? <clears throat> to his credit, Nixon said no. And so Nixon, well Kissinger, I call him Kiss of Deathinger, but Kissinger was the man that opened the door to Beijing and then Nixon flew to Beijing and and met the Chinese leadership and that China began to move out of hardcore communism into capitalist communism. But don't fool yourself, China remains a communist society. And you want proof of that, just bear in mind that the, the Muslim community, the Uyghurs in China, have one million of their people in what we would call concentration camps what is euphemistically termed re-education centres. I should explain that's a term that, that one of the countries I spend some time in, Malta, uses for the refugees that come from North Africa into Malta. 
Um, you know, I'm Malta is a little island, 20 kilometers by 40 kilometers. And when we arrived eight years ago, they had a population of 400,000. Now they have a population of 600,000. Um, and it's a Catholic country. It's a Roman Catholic country. And um, the EU decided, in its infinite wisdom, that Malta must take 10,000 refugees. Now, 10,000 refugees may not sound like very much when you're living in a country here with 60 million, I think. 60 million, roughly. But if you're on a little island of 600,000, 10,000 refugees who are not Roman Catholic, can't speak English, certainly will never speak Maltese, very difficult language, and who do not share the same social mores, ethics, customs and norms as the people on that island, I mean, that is, that is a recipe for catastrophe. So the Maltese government did a very clever thing. They said, right, you can come to our island and we'll put you in a re-education centre for a year. And in that time, they will teach them about Roman Catholicism. Well, you can imagine that goes down like a lead balloon. And we will teach you English. They don't try and teach the Maltese because that's a lost cause. We'll teach you English and we'll try and teach you a, a trade or a skill. And at the end of the year, they open the gates and they say, where do you want to go? Now, if that happened to you, just think for yourself, if that happens to you, you're put into this re-education centre, which is actually a concentration camp for you. What, what's the first thing you're going to say? I want off this island. And most of them do. Most of them do. And they either want to go to Germany or they want to go to Britain. God bless them. Um, those who stay, actually, may play quite a valuable role. Um, and it's extraordinary because they end up doing the sort of things that they would do in any other developing country. They end up doing construction work. Uh, they end up doing essential municipal services and so on. Um, and to some extent, they do integrate. But that's the case in China. I mean, one million Uyghurs are in a concentration camp as we sit here this morning, today. So the nature of the beast has not changed. Now, I said to you, we went through World War I, went through World War II. If the Cold War was World War III, is it possible that we are now in World War IV? And why do I say that? Because the beginning of this situation that we're in now really began in, in earnest in 2016, when to everybody's shock and amazement and to the joy of some of us and the dismay of others, President Trump won the 2016 election. And that should never have happened. Should never have happened. Hillary knew she was going to win. Because Hillary was the logical follow-on to Obama. And Obama knew. He knew Hillary was going to win. And if you don't believe me, read a book called The Deep Rig, or The Deep Unrig, by a chap called Byrne, B-Y-R-N-E. I think you can get it, surprisingly, even now on Amazon. I hesitate to recommend that you buy anything from Jeff Bezos, but you will find it on Amazon. And the reason I say to you, Obama knew Hillary was going to win was because he employed Burns through the FBI to set Hillary up for an $18 million bribe. This is before the election took place. And Hillary grabbed it like a drowning woman reaching for a rope. And then she used that to facilitate another $20 million bribe. Then the election took place. And then Byrne went back to his FBI handlers and he said, well, what now? I mean, you know, she's got the money. 
what's this all about? They said, no, 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 drop it. Drop it, just leave it. If you're interested in your own health, drop it. And you said, no, you better tell me what you, come on, tell me, level, what, what's the story? And they said, right, you want the story? The story is this. Obama was the one who set her up for the 18 million. He was happy she got the 20 million because Obama intended for Hillary to win 2016 and he would then rule for four terms instead of the two that presidents are only allowed to have. But somewhere it screwed up and Hillary lost. And Donald John Trump came in amidst the biggest propaganda barrage and disinformation campaign you have ever seen in your life. And I must say it's a privilege to be alive at this time because we are at one of the nodal cusps of what the Germans call the Zeitgeist, or what in English we would call the trend of history. This is one of the nodal cusps. And each one of you here today has a role to play in this. You may not think so. You may think I'm really irrelevant in the scheme of things. Trust me, you are not. Because this is a battle of good against evil. This is a battle of God against Satan. And in his four years, Trump had an amazing effect on the world. When he met with Obama, taking power, he said, what's my biggest challenge? Obama said, your biggest challenge will be at war with North Korea in three months. So Trump said, well, you know, has anybody gone to speak to, to, to Comrade Kim? And they all shook their heads. And he, he said out loud, stupid, stupid. And so one of the first thing he, he did was to meet with the North Korean leader. And the war was averted. In fact, he was very clever because when he met with him, he showed him a video and he showed him what could be achieved in North Korea in terms of building, construction, holiday, travel plans, bringing investment into the country. He said, this is what your country could be instead of a lousy, rotten, stinking little communist fetid backwater. Well, he didn't say it like that, but, <laughs> but that's, we all know that's what he meant. Likewise, just before he left power, he concluded the Abraham Accords. You won't read anything about this in the mainstream media. You won't see it on the British Bullsticks Corporation or the criminal news network, CNN, or anything like that. But this is what he achieved. For the first time, he achieved peace between Israel and some of the key Arab states, Saudi Arabia, um, United Arab Emirates, uh, Jordan, and so on. Internally in the United States, they had the fastest economic growth rate in their history. The stock market reached the highest levels ever. Why? Because he put America first. He was not a globalist. He was not an internationalist. He put America first. So you had the lowest black unemployment in US history. You had the lowest Hispanic unemployment in US history. He nearly pulled it off with the women, ladies. He nearly got the lowest female unemployment. Um, I think the, the, the benchmark was made in 1962 under Kennedy. Uh, but he came very close to pulling it off. And he enjoyed absolutely unprecedented and unparalleled growth rates across various sectors of the American economy. But of course, this was horrendous to those forces that were seeking, as Peter put it, a one world order, a new world order, what I call the new world disorder. And so Trump had to be removed. Now in 2017, at the Johns Hopkins Institute, a conference was called, not unlike our meeting today, 
of movers and shakers in the medical and strategic field to take a look at the impact of a, an artificially generated and created scamdemic. They called it a pandemic. I call it a scamdemic. To induce fear, Peter showed you the slides earlier on. I mean, I love that slide with the, the trumpeter marching off, blowing the fear bubble, because that's exactly what it was all about. Because if you're going to get people to do something that they would never ordinarily do, you've got to terrify them. And Adolf Hitler was once asked, you know, how, how did you manage to convert the German people the way you did? And he said it had nothing to do with the Nazi party. He said we created a psychosis of fear. And on the psychosis of fear, we were able to take over Germany, totally. And, and that's what happened with this planning session. And it was designed to be launched. The infection, whatever it was, was designed to be launched between 2027 and 2030. But it was called forward. And it was called forward critically in December 2019 so that it would destroy Trump's chances for re-election for another four-year term to carry on the good work that he'd been doing originally. It had a multiplicity of, of other backgrounds and intentions and aims. And among those were the erosions of our rights, freedom of assembly, freedom of speech, um, freedom of travel, uh, currency and so on. I would go so far as to say that there were three objectives. The first one was a one-world currency. We already have a one-world currency in a, in a method of speaking, really, don't we? Bitcoin. Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. But we're talking about a one-world currency where we all have to buy into it and subscribe to it. And it's logged into us. And by the way, what is the vaccination blue? <laughs> it logs a tracker in your system. Secondly, it's designed to move us from the human stage to the transhuman stage. Heard of transhumanism? You know what transhumanism is? Uh, we were on safari in Namibia last year, Fiona and I. Uh, by the way, that's where we caught COVID in July. July last year. When did you first hear about COVID? January 2020. But in July of 2019, not last year, the year before last year, we were on holiday in Namibia, and one of the people on the trip made fibre optic cable, but not the standard fibre optic cable that we're using for Wi-Fi. Fibre optic cable that is so micro thin that they can insert nine of them through the back of the neck and into the brain. Yeah? And once they've done that, you will mirabilate it to. Isn't it wonderful? You'll be able to log into the internet and to communicate without having to use a computer. That's called transhumanism. And once you do that, you cease to be what we are here now, human beings. You become deus ex machina, which I was very bad at Latin, I failed Latin terribly, but deus ex machina, God out of machine. Where's God fit into this thing? Nowhere to be seen. So that's the second objective, create a transhumanist society. And I believe, I'm very suspicious, to use Peter's term, I'm very suspicious that the vaccination program is part of that. But that's not all the vaccination program is part of, I don't think. 
The third item is eugenics. Eugenics is population limitation. We stand now somewhere at 7 billion, 8 billion, round about there. The objective, as spelt out in the Georgia Guidestones, which are a sort of modern version of, if you've ever seen in England, you've been to Stonehenge. The Georgia Guidestones are a sort of modern version of Stonehenge, and they've got it written literally in stone. It is cast in stone that the world's population must be reduced to 500 million. Now, how are you going to do that? How are you going to do that? And don't forget Bill Gates, Comrade Bill Gates. His father was the head of the Eugenic Society in the United States. And Bill Gates himself was kind of keen on eugenics, is kind of keen on eugenics. And if you add all of this up together, somewhere along the line, they're going to come up with something that must kill us, to put it crudely and bluntly. Uh, anybody here been vaccinated? I'm very pleased to see that. Try and keep it that way. You'll be under great pressure. I mean, I get my phone, in fact, sitting there now, my phone went ching, and it says, Discovery, we've got a registration date and a time. And a... You're not over 60. <laughs> <laughs> Two years to go to hit 70. Two years to go. Um, ignore it. Ignore it. Because now in America, some schools are saying, teaching staff that have been vaccinated are pleased not to report for duty, at least for three months. Why? Why? Because the people who have been vaccinated, and it doesn't matter whether it's Pfizer or AstraZeneca or Johnson & Johnson or, or Moderna, and those are the four biggies, huh? It doesn't matter. People who have been vaccinated are starting to shed, right? They're shedding. How do you shed? You lose your skin. We all do it. It's all part of the deal, being human. Um, through respiration, right? Through breathing. And the people who have not been vaccinated are becoming contaminated. How do we know that? Here we get into the horror. We know that because 90-year-old women are beginning to menstruate. Little girls are beginning to bleed. Right? Women of childbearing age are losing their, their babies because the outer skin of the placenta is being infected. Not temporarily. Forever. Forever. You want to know why I look so haggard? It's because my 30-year-old daughter sits there in London. She works for the British government on the Brexit negotiations. Very left-wing. And she says, Daddy, I, I can't wait to have my vaccination. And they haven't had children yet. And I mean, they're right at the top of the pile. Her husband is a leading merchant banker. She's got a top job with the British government. And I say, don't do it. Don't just give yourself three months. Look at what's happened to your friends who've done it. That's what happens to women, okay, when they're infected with a shedding. What happens to guys is that they break out in what looks like herpes sores all over their body. And they start getting black and blue patches and rashes. And you know why? Because the vaccination works on creating blood clots. And the blood clots kill you. Okay. Now, for somebody who's had a double cardiac like I did two years ago, it's death. I mean, I just will put a bullet in a Smith & Wesson, spin the chamber and pull the trigger to see what happens. Right? So it's not just taking the vaccination, it's the people who have been vaccinated that are dangerous. Now take this to its logical extreme. What, what are the implications of this? The implications of this 
is that we're looking down the line. I mean, pray God it doesn't happen, but we're looking down the line at massive deaths, a massive epidemic, pandemic of deaths across the world of people who have been vaccinated. And at first they'll try and cover it up, and they are trying to cover it up now. And you talk about the pros and cons of vaccination on your Facebook, which, by the way, was started by the CIA, so they, they, they know all about you. I mean, you're willing to tell them about yourselves on your Facebook entry, right? <laughs> um, or Twitter, or any one of the uh, YouTube, and you will be censored straight away. You'll be shut down straight away. Shtum. You know the three monkeys here? Speak no evil, see no evil, hear no evil. I believe in the other three monkeys. Speak some good. Hear some evil, see some evil. <laughs> when I was in government, I was in P.W. Borders' office once, and he had those three monkeys on his mantelpiece. Uh, I thought, good for you, P.W., good for you. You want to be on the ball. So, one of the implications of where we are now, we're in an extraordinary situation, absolutely extraordinary. They advanced the program that should have been launched in 2027 to 2019, and it came out in 2020. Peter's absolutely right. He said that the funding came, well, it actually came from Dr. Fauci. Dr. Fauci, the great guru, the man that would simply us all go around masked. In fact, he said, true masks, maybe we masks are better, right? And the social distancing and shutting down of the economies around the world. Do you know we've done more damage to our world economy with this than we would have if we'd gone to war with China? If we'd gone to war with China, The result of all this, oh, and another thing, by the way, just one other thing. I mean, we're told that this is such a lethal, lethal bug. The everybody know the recovery rate? 99.08%. That is not the recovery rate for influenza. Yeah. And malaria, I mean, no comparison. And so we shut down our economies and everybody wears masks. And what was this designed to do? This was designed to induce the fear and to assist in the stealing of the election to put a man who is suffering, in my opinion, and the opinion of medical experts from dementia, um, who is corrupt, criminal, on the take, who has demonstrated visibly his incapacity to even know where he is sometimes, yes, to put that man in the White House. Backed by a Congress that is 70% compromised. And I can see some of you thinking, what is he talking about? How can they be compromised? Well, you've all heard of Epstein. And I said to you at the beginning of the talk, I would tell you why Melinda is leaving Bill. Because Epstein was a massive counterintelligence operation. Epstein was feeding information to the FBI, to the CIA, I'm ashamed to say to British intelligence, and to Mossad, amongst others, and there are five others he was feeding information to, based on the compromise and blackmail of leading political, academic, and scientific and financial figures. And you've heard of the Lolita Express? The Lolita Express is the name for the aircraft that Epstein used to fly these people from wherever they were, including British royal family, member of the British royal family, to his St. James Island, where he had a satanic temple, 
I'm not making this up. I, I mean, seriously, a satanic temple. <laughs> it's unbelievable. If you made this into a movie, people would walk out of the, the movie afterwards and say, ah, oh, interesting movie. Couldn't possibly happen, of course. They would come down there and they would fraternize with young girls, young boys, underage, underage. They would perform ritual satanic sacrifices. And when the FBI raided the island, and I'm, I'm not making this up, there was a pipe this big that had been recently cemented over in the floor of the satanic temple that ran down and into the sea. And when the FBI sent divers down along the ocean floor, they found the bones of babies and small children. Right? That's what went on. Now you know why Epstein had to be either removed. A friend of mine who worked in the Trump White House tells me he's still alive. I don't know whether he's still alive or not. That's what he says. He says they, would, they had him removed because he just knew too much. He was just, he knew too much. And Epstein himself, of course, was on a, a massive um, self-aggrandizement trip and had relations with multiple women because he wanted to breed his bloodline. So, what has happened to our Western democracy is that we have been compromised, we have been blackmailed, and we've been neutralized, but not in time. And I remember, you know, it's funny thing, I, I have breakfast on Saturdays with a friend, and he has an interest in American politics, and I obviously have an interest in American politics, because what happens in America happens in the rest of the world. I mean, all the wokeism we see here in South Africa came from America. And I remember saying to him, and I, I, I try never to mix religion and international affairs. Never. And I sat there and I said to him, we're, we're battling Satanism. We're battling Satan here. This, this, this is satanic. What is happening is satanic. And he, fortunately, he agreed with me. He's a very committed Christian. And he said, yes, Doug, I accept that. You're preaching to the converted. But the fact of the matter is that it's true. And where are we now? We're now in a situation where they seem to have all the cards. And you would have seen, and I just came through on my phone now, yesterday, 150 top American military came out and said Biden was not legitimately elected. This country is in deep, deep doo-doo. We are the subject of a Marxist coup d'etat, which has put a communist regime into power in the United States. And if we don't get our act together very soon, it'll be too late. That just happened yesterday. It was preceded by some French generals telling Macron, you know, he who married his teacher, telling Macron that France is in the same boat. France is in the same trouble. And all the good work that was achieved between 2016 and 2020 has been undone by a multiplicity of executive orders signed by the demented guy who doesn't know where he is most of the time and who is for all intents and purposes, a communist Chinese spy. And has, is the subject of tremendous deals that have been done with the PRC and was involved in the corruption in the Ukraine, as you well know, that, that was in the media. Yeah. How long have I got, Peter? I think it's time to wrap up. <laughs> okay. Is it as hopeless and bleak as it looks? And here's where, remember I said to you at the beginning of the talk, if I was standing here 120 years ago and I told you about heart transplants and air travel and cell phones, you'd call the white coats. Please don't call the white coats when I tell you what I tell you now. 1953, we cracked, I say we, the West, 
cracked superluminal travel. You know what that is? That's the ability to move a physical object faster than the speed of light. Einstein always said, by the way, that superluminal travel, the speed of light, speed of light was the fastest uh, benchmark in physics. Well, he was 70% right, 30% wrong. 1953, they cracked superluminal travel using electrogravitic propulsion. I'm not going to go into what that means, or the secret space program, or the fact that with our secret space program, we're about 50 years ahead of where we are with our conventional space program. Won't go there today. But think about it for a moment. If you can crack superluminal travel, you can do time travel. You can look back, which is easier, because the timeline's established, and you can look forward. Very difficult, because there are choices. Now you decide now whether you want to sit here or get up and walk out. Choice. Okay. The, the project, I, th I think I'm right in saying, this is the only note I will, I will use, is called Looking Glass Technology. It's called Looking Glass Technology. Super secret. Super, super secret. And those who have access to looking glass technology, in going forward, no matter which timeline they choose, they reach the same conclusion. Isn't that fascinating? And that explains why the pressure is on now to create this one world super disorder government with the elimination of all our freedoms, the elimination of the population, <coughs> down to 500,000, because the globalists don't need us anymore. They literally don't need us anymore. Technology will supplant us. Right? We're, just, we're just oxygen thieves as far as they're concerned. Right? What do you think? What do you think? The one point is that all those timelines lead to the Great Awakening. The Great Awakening. It is the realization that God is actually in control. And if we, as Christians, this is the only proselytizing I will do this morning. If we as Christians, who believe in the God of love, Jesus Christ, we believe in the power of God, and sufficient of us wake up in that great awakening, the globalists have lost, and we have a new world, a new better world. And that is why the pressure is on so immensely now. And all the things that Peter touched on, and, and all the things that you touched on, and that you touched on, are happening with an incredibly accelerated pace. They're hoping to beat the Great Awakening. So my message to you this morning is that it really hangs on each and every individual of you and the people you associate with and the people you know and the people they know and the people they associate to contribute in explaining what is really happening and what is really required to ensure that we don't go down that road, we go down the road that we are going to go down and which will inevitably happen whichever timeline and on that note, I thank you very much. You've been incredibly patient, very tolerant. Great fun talking to you. Thank you. Thanks, Peter. Thank you very much.